Hello all, my name is Brittany and this is the Exposing Grief Podcast where I continue to remove that stigma of grief and expose it for what it truly is, which is that natural and healthy way of living and loving. I'll also be adding a little bit of a twist. So this podcast will expose the work behind honoring your grief journey, showing you the real hardships and the unbelievable beauty that grief can bring. I'm thrilled to have you here. So let's get to ending the grief stigma and beginning to build hope. All right. Welcome back, Exposing Grief listeners. I'm excited to have you here as always, and I am thrilled to be sitting with my guest, Susan Hayes. She and I connected a long time ago, like mid-year last year. We chatted. We're like, oh my gosh, yes, this is fantastic. And then um, I really wanted her to be part of this spousal loss series. Um, So we kind of postponed our conversation and we're here now and she's in Italy, which I love Italy. So thank you to for coming to us all the way from Italy and sharing your story. So Susan, I won't waste any more time. Tell us a little bit about your story and how you encounter grief. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you, Brittany, for this opportunity to, to share my wisdom and providing this platform. And I think the six month what seemed to be a postponement was divine timing. And this was just the right time to share what whatever conversation we are meant to have today and just being intuitively guided. So thank you so much. And welcome to all the listeners, whether you're listening in two weeks, one week, well, no, I think it's one month or a year later, know that you're hearing it when you need to hear it, you're being divinely guided in that synchronicity. So thank you. Yes, spousal lost. I lost my my late husband. And I can actually say that now, by the way. I used to say refer to him as my husband still. So the fact that I'm using late husband more often has just shown that, yes, we can recognize that we can um, still have the memories and all that and, and, and let go of that so that perhaps we can welcome new love into our life if that's what feels right for each individual. I know for me, it does. It's what I would like. <laughs> if you asked me early on, I would have just cried at the thought of it. So I, I know time can heal, sounds like a cliche, but I think when you've done the deep healing work, um, you can get to a place where that, if it feels right for you, can be an option. When my late husband died, it was I, I it was about three and a half years where he had cancer, and there were quite a few times where I thought I was going to lose him with that anticipatory grief where I already felt like, okay, he's going, and then he bounced back, and then it was like like this roller coaster ride. Like, I'm like, come on, just one way or the other, just get it over with. And then when quote unquote he got it over with, I wasn't too thrilled. I was really angry because <laughs> I mm-hmm. like I didn't yeah, understandable. Um, but at the same time, I, he was in a lot of pain and suffering. So I, I really ultimately needed to let go of that and honor his journey. And then when he did die, honor my journey of how I felt I needed to grieve. And so many people with good intentions will tell you that it needs to look a certain way. Either you're not grieving enough, you're grieving too much, just get over it. I mean, there's going to be different people who say different things. And I think the most important thing is, the intention behind it is usually very good. And so it's just, okay, listening to what they have, to, you know, listening and honoring what they say, but ultimately honoring what feels right for you, letting go of any judgment. I know for me, when my husband passed, I just wanted to feel a heck of a lot better, like probably most people who lose their husband. 
I was guided to ask this one question, a very open-ended question that I ask pretty much every single day and it's a way of life. And it is, what can I be, do, have, and let go of, and let go of, that will allow me to experience a way more joyful, magically abundant life now with ease? By asking that open-ended question, it brought my attention to opportunities, to other healers, to other practitioners who could ease my journey of grief. Because sometimes we think that, you know, if we're just looking, thinking on, you know, with our, what we think, what we already know that may be helpful, what if it's not helpful for us, but we, it may be for somebody else. And I would, for example, get, okay, go to the beach today. I'm like, but I gotta, I gotta, I gotta finish writing. I gotta do this work. And it was like, no, I got it really strong. This intuitive nudge, like go to the beach today. It was actually one of the anniversaries of my husband, my late husband's death. So I listened, I went to the beach. I came back, like, just have fun today. So let work wait another day. They're like, you need to honor your grief and be okay. Just go to the beach. And then I was like, okay. It was like, I was talking to my inner self. Now what? they're like, watch a movie. I'm like, okay. I watched a movie and the one I picked was about a widow. And I didn't know it when I picked it. It was about a widow who had lost her husband, whose name happened to be my late husband's name. Wow. What a coincidence. Yeah. It was so many synchronicities. intervention. Exactly. And the uncle in the movie of the, she had a little boy was my husband, the same name as my um, late husband's best friend. There was just so many synchronicities. Wow. And they were Latino. My husband was Colombian. He was Latino. Wow. And she said, you know, when I feel really sad on the days, I really, really miss my husband. She goes, I put on sad music. And I'm like, I'm like I don't want to listen to that. I put on sad music. And then I just stopped salsa dancing. And I went, no. <laughs> And I had not danced since my husband had passed. And he, he was from the salsa capital of the world. So I got up and I started dancing. Oh, like, It was like amazing. Everything that I, I paid attention to my intuition. I just asked the question, let go of judgment with what, with what I thought I had to do with being okay, having fun and actually laughing on a day that I got up feeling really sad and wanted to cry. It just like totally shifted my mood. And then later on, I had a special dinner in his honor with my sister and my niece. Mm-hmm. So it's asking that question and really paying attention and being okay with having fun. Like, it's okay to laugh. It's like, that's what they would want for us. Yeah. And it's so great. This this idea of honoring your grief journey has come up so much in this podcast. And that is something that I preach to my clients through and through. I mean, if you were to ask them, what is the one thing that Britt says to you way too much? Honor your grief journey, right? But there's truth in that, right? But what I love is that you give a different approach to honoring your grief journey, right? We've talked about what is it, what does it look like, right? And it really is just doing grief in a way that feels true and right to you. But you provide this question, this open-ended question to not only give a different perspective to it, but to give people a tangible tool on how to start doing that, right? By asking, what do I need? What can I be? What can I let go of? And in asking yourself that question, you found yourself at the beach and watching a movie that really resonated with you, right? And on a day that was, it was really needed where 
if you maybe have ignored that or didn't tap into that, you might have done something that you thought you should. And I put that in air quotes that you should have been doing. So thank you for that that question that I, I hope listeners will launch you into a different part of honoring your grief journey. Yeah, I think so. It's pretty powerful. Thank you. You recap that so well. And it is, it really is a question I ask every day. And I've gotten so much judgment from others. And maybe there's a level of judgment that I need to let go from me. We often attract what we think others are judging in us. And I even moved four months after my husband had passed and people like, you can't move. Like, you can't make any major decisions because like we there is fog grain that is for real. And I was told you cannot move. It's only been four months. But my heart in my answer to that question, I kept answering was saying, no, a move will actually usher in more joy. It will allow you to be in a place that will allow you to heal at, a, at an accelerated rate. And that brought me to, to Miami Beach, South Beach. So. I've sat with many people who we talk about this and it's true, right? There is an element of whether it's grief or whatever, when you're dealing with a big life transition, stress or whatever, it is usually encouraged that you don't make any other big life decisions because of that grief brain, the fog brain, all this other stuff, right? You're, you're typically unable to regulate as well, all this kind of stuff, right? And within that, we neglect to highlight the work that goes on behind, right? So everyone sees on the surface like, oh, she's just making a rash decision to move. When in reality, you're actually doing your work to lead you to this decision, right? And that's not to say that that's everybody's experience. Some people do make impulsive decisions in the belief that that will help them. But you are doing it, you are approaching it in a way that's allowing you to go, no, this is actually really going to benefit my journey as opposed to stunt it. But people on the outside don't see that. They just see a really rash decision. It's like, no, you can't do that, right? So knowing if you're doing the work, which I appreciate you highlighted not too long ago of time heals, yes, and if we're doing the really deep grief work, that's when the time truly heals. And I think that can get missed. Absolutely. And thank you for pointing that out. And I had already been doing the work prior to my husband even getting sick. Like I was already on a path of deep healing and his death actually triggered accelerated healing from childhood trauma. So I was already, I was fortunate. I had moved to Florida ahead of time from him to be in this, in this very intense program of emotional energy release therapy. And I was getting lots of work. I had lots of colleagues who offered to offered complimentary sessions when my husband passed. And at first I said, no, because I can't take advantage of people's kindness. And I had to, that was another thing I needed to let go of was that being okay with receiving and receiving people wanting to help me. And it really, really, really did. I feel accelerated my ability to integrate the grief. So I didn't ignore the grief. I, it's not that I didn't feel the sadness. I felt it all. In fact, I felt it so authentically and deeply that is what allowed me to truly integrate it, release it, and ultimately make more space space for joy. I didn't just choose joy. It's not that simple. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I appreciate that you give the insight and the nitty gritty into how you got there. I'm actually just working on, so next month I'm going to do a series where I talk about, dive a little bit deeper into all these topics that have come up in my previous podcasts. Mm -hmm. And one of them being this idea of sitting with grief, right? And this, you're speaking to it beautifully of 
sometimes we have to sit in that really heavy, ugly stuff in order for us to see what we really need and for us to learn how how we can grow and where we can move forward, right? But if we're so quick to go to that quick fix, we're going to miss that. And so I appreciate that you go, I didn't choose joy. It found me as I sat in this really heavy grief and did the work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I actually worked with people that when I, especially when I did the emotional energy release therapy, it would be 20 years later and they hadn't fully grieved because they distracted themselves. They got busy. They quote unquote, just chose fun and joy, Mm -hmm. but they just kept trying to stuff it down and the grief is there and it's going to show up in different types of addictions and distractions working so much. And so it's, you can deal with it now or deal with it later, heal it now or heal it later, but it needs to be healed and it needs to be acknowledged in order again to repeat in order to truly allow authentic joy to shine through. Otherwise, there's no space. It's like you've got this glass of water and it's full of grief and sadness and anger. And you try to put more drops of joy in. It's just not going to fit. It's not going to fit. No, or it's going to taint it, right? Like the joy isn't going to come through the exact, right? Like it's going to be a weird kind of joy, like, you know, a different emotion disguised as joy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. You got it. (laughs) Yeah. I love this. Your questions. I love that, right? Of what, what do I need and what can I be? And this idea of letting go of judgment. I know that can be a big thing for people, even outside of grief, right? Even if they're not navigating a grief journey, do you have any insight or kind of words of wisdom to, for people who are in a space where they're like, oh my God, easier said than done, right? I wish I could do that. What, where would they start? What would you say to them? Or what was your journey with getting to a point where you can kind of let go of judgment? Easier said than done. Absolutely. It's just taking that first step because the judgment again is just, there's so many perhaps limiting belief systems or thought patterns that we may have bought into that are really not serving us. And that's really where that's coming from. And you're going to have judgment no matter what decision you make. It's really taking that first step And if you're feeling better and it works for you, it's being strong enough to know if it's working for you, you'll get stronger and stronger and it'll be easier to let go of that judgment. Yet if you give into that and make a choice that is not in alignment with what is best for you, you're just going to feel worse. And trying to make somebody else feel better because of the judgment, you're going to feel worse. Trust me, it won't work. Yeah, yeah. And this piece of and trying to make yourself feel better because what somebody else believes. So oftentimes when judgment is being cast, it's because what you're doing doesn't align with their values and beliefs, right? Exactly. Okay, great. They're human. We're human. We get to have our own values, beliefs, morals, all of that. And we can't alter what feels true to us to align with somebody else. Now, of course, there are situations where if you're in a partnership, you would want your values, beliefs, and morals to align. So maybe the navigation around that would look a little bit different, but This idea of when someone casts judgment, chances are it's because what you're doing doesn't align with or agree with what they would do. And that is okay. So being able to remind ourselves of that, of, okay, this probably makes them uncomfortable because it's not what they would do, but this actually feels really true for me. So I need to stick to that. And this speaks to this piece when you were talking, I was like, ooh, remove the chatter. 
right? There's so much external chatter, social media, mainly just social media, right? But other people's (laughs) thoughts and comment, right? So being able to find a space where you can remove the chatter and really tune into what feels good to you and being able to ask the questions that you already talked about, Sue, of what can I be? What do I need? Yeah. And you know what? It's interesting because when I used to get really sad, I'd have like when I first moved, like a wave of sadness come up, I would like get up and move. And I realized that it wasn't movement that was required until my back gave out and I was on my back for five days. So this is what happens when you move, distract, keep yourself busy. I had no choice but to sit there and on my back and to be with my thoughts with my grief, I cried off and on for five days. And it was exactly what I needed. If I had paid attention to it, could I have avoided five days straight out? Probably, but it's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Our our body and our mind has a funny way of doing that of, okay, I'm going to send you gentle signs. And more often than not, we don't listen to them. And then at some point, the body, the mind, the universe is like, okay, game on, let's go. Boom. You're on your back for five days. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. So it it was, it was a huge lesson. It taught me a lot that, okay, keep asking the questions to what, what's required right now. Movement was not what was required that right. day. Well, and I wonder too. And so we talk about this idea of there being some beauty in grief and in your grief process. So while that sucked, I'm sure to be stuck on your back for five days, I'd also be curious if you may not view it the same way and be as thankful for these questions that you're asking yourself, if that would look different if you hadn't had that experience? Maybe, maybe not. I think the experience helped me to grow. Mm -hmm. I do. I think it really allowed me to grow. Even the experience of my husband's death was a huge catalyst for this accelerated evolutionary growth. I've written four books since he has passed. I mean, the creative flow from the pain, what pain can do. Yes. Yeah. And I was going to ask about that. I was going to say part of your grief journey is you found a way to channel that into writing, not only for your own healing, not so much healing, but not only for your own process, but also to help others who might be going through this. So would you share with our listeners a little bit about your books and uh, listeners, the links will be below too. So if you want to access them, you can, but share with us what some of your books are. So you were right. You, I would say that was a pretty accurate assessment, healing, my healing process. I was, my first book, I was, well, it was the first one's a children's book that I finally got published during that time. But when my husband had passed, a friend had suggested I start journaling my thoughts, my feelings, just to help, help integrate some of, you know, my grief. So I started doing that and I journaled quite a bit. And so much writing. And as at one point, I thought, oh, my God, this is a book. This would help others. And so it didn't start out with the idea that it would be a book to help others. But I, as I was journaling, I realized that my stories, my experiences, my that, that question among other questions and other strategies would allow the opportunity for others to heal their grief at um in a way where they doesn't need to take forever. It doesn't need to take a lifetime. And so that was my first book, Widow Wisdom, How to Find the Joy Amidst the Teardrops of Grief. Notice I'm saying, oh, just I'm not saying ignore the grief. Yes. Within those drops. The grief is what nourished. It's the weeds that nourished my growth. Um, I needed those weeds for my growth. And my husband, I, I put his name, my late husband, I put his name on the book because... 
I would often get a download of information in Spanish and it's not my first language. I do know Spanish and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. I'm channeling him. Okay. And we do telepathically communicate. And so his name is on the book and he has a beautiful, beautiful message for people that he shared at the end when I said, what else do you want to say? And it's pretty much that he has become one of the one with the mountain. He's more alive than ever. He is he's here, there, everywhere. He is like the starlight energy and has no pain, is not suffering, and is watching over me and his loved ones. He's wow. he's omnipresent. Wow, beautiful. And what a reassuring message for you. Right. I think that can be a big thing too, of like where where are they now? Are they okay? What are they doing? So for him to communicate to you, like, I'm, I'm good. And I'm also here with you, right? I would imagine would have a, would also be a helpful part in your healing process of like, okay, he's okay. I can continue to do my grief work. Yeah. And you know what? It could have been my higher self, whatever. It doesn't matter. It still was healing. It was still very healing. Absolutely. Um, And you just recently finished another book, right? Yeah, I um, well, after the Widow Wisdom, I did the South Beach Diet of Joy, the focus being on joy and letting go of the restrictive thought patterns and beliefs that keep one from joy, allowing yes. one to express their grief and all the emotions that are related to that. And that's really what that's about. And then I just published another one called 21 Days of Active Abundance Asks. So it's 21 questions. I ask a lot of questions, open-ended questions when I, when I, as part of my journal writing and my meditation in the morning, ones that are so open-ended, they really just show you more of what's off your radar screen, so to speak. And just, you get these intuitive nudges. And that very first question is the one I had in Widow Wisdom or that I began asking when my husband passed is what can I be, do, have, and let go of? to experience an even more magical, joyful, and abundant life with ease. That is my question number one that has really, really allowed me to have truly authentic joy and bliss. I'm, it's why I'm in Italy. It's why I have just, I, I'm living the dream. I'm dream, living the dream lifestyle. I'm in a place where I am ready to fall in love again. Yeah, um, that's amazing. And, and, so, so happy to hear that you're in that space and also not to neglect to ignore all the incredible work you've done to get to that point. So listeners, if you're thinking like, gosh, that, oh, I wish I could be in that space or I no way, there's no way I could ever get there. Know that Sue's done her work and continues to do her work and it takes time, right? So being patient with yourself and giving yourself that grace and using these tools and listeners, like I said, all of her books will be in the show notes there. So you can access them easily if you want to check them out. Yeah. I, I think that's key. What you said, I have put in the work, Mm -hmm. I have put in the work. And then even being in Italy last year, I was in a mountainous remote mountainous village where there were a lot of restrictions and it was me and nature. I mm, cried a lot. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was able to process a lot. I've done the work. I've done the deep healing work. And it's not always fun. But when, you, when you're able to do it, it's a lot more fun on the other side. Yes. Yeah, having to go through. And this idea of sitting with grief, it's, it's this piece of being comfortable with the uncomfortable nobody's going to be like, yes, yes, get me in an uncomfortable situation anytime you can. Well, no, but it's necessary, 
right? In order for us to grow and change and become better selves and all of this, sometimes we have to do the uncomfortable stuff. Yeah. Otherwise it gets more uncomfortable. Yes. It'll show up in the body. It'll in a way that you don't want it to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I thank you so much for your time. And I always like to wrap these episodes up with a little bow of, and ask my guests if the listeners take nothing away from this episode, which obviously I hope they take everything because you've given so many great nuggets of information and different things for people to start integrating in their journey. But if they take nothing away, but this one thing, what are you hoping that hoping that the listeners take with them today? Ask the question, what can I be, do, have, and let go of? to allow myself to experience more joy and, and sit back and listen, journal, listen and honor, honor what you get, honor it and then do it. And it may be to sit on your couch all day or not honor it. It really depends on you. Yeah. It's going to be individual to each person. Beautiful. Absolutely. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Sue. I appreciate it. And thank you for your time. And I hope Italy is treating you well. It sounds like it is. Yes. Woohoo! Good. <laughs> Listeners, I'm in Sicily right now, I just moved to another part of Italy. Yes. Oh, Sicily. Lovely. And you, where were you previously? I was in uh, what the Abruzzo region, which is there's Rome and it's on the other side of Rome. Okay. So kind of in the middle middle of Italy. It was beautiful. Mountains and now I'm by the ocean. Top <laughs> trade, right? Mountains or oceans. Which one do we take? Yeah. <laughs> and I still have mountains here. I want mountains, cliffs and ocean ultimately. Oh, beautiful. Well, I'm happy to hear that you are happy and thank you for all of this great information for our listeners. Listeners, I hope you take what you need leave what you don't. If this resonated with you, please pass it along so it reaches those who also need to hear this message. Please come back, follow the podcast if you have not, so you don't miss any of the other episodes coming up. And we will be back next week to continue our Spousal Loss series. Thank you very much, Sue. Thank you so much, Brittany. I so appreciate it. And thank you, listeners. Much, much peace and love. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Exposing Grief. I want you to know that you are playing an important part in removing that stigma of grief and in turn creating a world where expression of love for our living and deceased loved ones is acceptable and welcomed. For that, I am forever grateful to you. If you resonated with this episode today, please share it with someone you believe would benefit or I welcome any and all reviews so it's easier for others who need this hope in their life to find me. Here's to honoring your grief journey and empowering others to do the same. Until next time.